So on a scale of one to 10, how hard would you rate Will Smith's slap? Negative five. Really? <laughs> I, don't know, but I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, like the eight? way he winded up, like he, he walked up right in front of Chris Rock, like super boss-like. Do we do we think it was staged though? I because I've gone back and forth on this like eight different times. I I have too. For the first like two days, I was like, no, 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 this is not staged. Like the reaction just yeah. seemed so genuine. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, oh man, it just seems too good to be true. Like, like the Oscars yeah. are going down in ratings, and then Will Smith, yeah. was, he just happened to be at the front. Yeah. But then again, That's, yeah, he was nominated for best actor, so it kind of makes sense yeah and like there's video circulating of people having to calm him down during the commercial breaks so that makes it seem like it wasn't very yeah staged so i don't know man that's it's crazy though holy shit and then will smith actually holy apologized shit. on his instagram and socials yesterday eh, fuck that <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay okay hold on i'm interested which side mm. are you on here i'm on team neither I think Neither? both were in the wrong, but I think, but I think when I think Will Smith handled it really poorly, that's where that's what's like. Because like, here's the thing, right? Like, was what Chris Wrong said uh, insensitive? Well, sorry, was what Chris Rock said insensitive? Yes, a hundred percent. Should he have made that joke? Probably not. Should Will Smith have gone up and slapped him in, in response to it? Absolutely not. Yes, that's where I'm at. So like, a lot of people and like, a lot of people mm, on the internet. So obviously, we are. We are buying into the trend right now because everyone's talking about it. Of course. We're talking about it as uh, well. I don't give a fuck. Rightfully so. But yes. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are talking about like whether or not that joke was appropriate in the first place. And I'm like, I don't think that's the correct stance that you can take. Because like regardless of how serious you think alopecia is or whether mm. that's something to joke about or whatever, like this was something that Chris Rock said, right? And if anyone says mm-hmm. a joke to you, right? You yeah. see a lot of jokes in real life, right? Some some friend yeah. might have said something I don't know yeah. about about your life, and what's your what's your yeah. reaction? What do you say to him? I'm a, I'm a swing. <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a swing right now. I'm joking. No. I don't know. Like you, you tell them to thing, like right? like I like, like I get you, you take that roast. back. Don't say this. That's mean. Say yeah. say you're sorry. Yeah. You don't swing don't for their face. That's not me. <laughs> that's not me like i kind of take it like i'm someone who like gets picked on not picked on like i get i'm very easy to pick on and like i get made i get made fun of a lot i'm like ha ha because like i know i know it's i know it's in i know it's in good and you know i know it's a good heart but like that's a thing right like really just depends because like apparently again i don't really know the history behind this but apparently uh, my uh will smith and chris rock had some sort of history in the past so like in 2016 or something like that, like another, I think it was during the Oscars as well. So I, I mean, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I've kind of said everything that like, I, it's, I think it's, I think it's so stupid on multiple, on multiple levels, but um, yeah, like I just don't like, and the thing is like, I get, I get that Will Smith apologized on Instagram, but like, man, the, pro- the proper time to do it was at the Oscars when you actually had when you actually accepted your award and you apologized to the Academy. Yes. Like if like this is like like that seemed very like Rocky Wirtz apologizing to the Chicago oh, media ish type of vibe. Like it's like okay, like Chris uh, Will Smith probably didn't even write that. It's probably a publicist. So like 
that's where I have a problem with it. That's my main issue. Like if he came out and said like, Chris, I'm very sorry. I was very emotional and fine, but I don't know. I just, uh, this whole thing seemed really sus to me and it's not, it, it's, it, it, it seems like it's getting more suspect every day that goes by, but whatever, man, it's, it's in the past. I, I made a tweet yesterday after thinking about this some more and I'm like, you know, for the Oscars, like for the mm. sake of their ratings, what they should yep. 100% do next year is make Will Smith the goddamn host. No. Think about it though. Like I think it's gonna be very poorly received now. I like I think I think in terms of oh my god, what's gonna happen? I think you'd get some people, but I think there's like, gonna be a lot of people who are like who kind of like are turned off by this whole Will Smith thing, rightly or wrongly. I don't really know, but like maybe so. I think it's gonna be people who are like, you don't do that. Like anyways, I don't know. Or imagine if Will Smith and Chris Rock hosted together next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, just doing a very, very chaotic I think, scenario. I think, I think it's apparently they're boys and apparently they're fine. Apparently made amends, but like that seems very unlikely. So, anyways, we'll see. Rock's yeah. going on tour, so we'll, I'm curious to see if, if any Will Smith, Will Smith jokes make it into the rotation, but probably not. That'd be hilarious. Oh, that'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't because I don't. I just want peace, man. I just want world peace. That's all I want. That's true. That's true. And no one's giving it to me, so well, that's okay. Hey. Yeah, Anyways. If anything, the Leafs could really mm-hmm. use a guy like Will Smith for the playoffs. <laughs> I saw that one, too. No. I saw that beat, too. <laughs> no. He just... No. We need... Nope. Yeah. As as Brian Burke says, truculence. Oh yeah, we have Wayne. I, I I like Wayne, even though he's taking a seat tonight. Very very devastating, but that's oh, okay. Oh yeah, him. I've heard. Um, I've heard. I've seen mm. their play on the ice. Wayne Simmons and Jason Spezza have like not looked Spez, yeah. like spectacular as of late. Like they have definitely taken a they step need back. some time. Mister Age is captain. Yeah, maybe. I don't think I don't think Simmons is that old, but I think because he's had so many operations probably catches up to you probably moves a clock forward a little bit Jason Spets, I think I think that's just age so yeah. I mean like we'll see I don't think a lot of people, I think I'll be curious to see if we hear a bit more towards the end of the season in terms of Jason Spets potentially retiring at the end of the season because mm-hmm. again like if you just look at the way the Leafs are structured right now they do have a lot of options that are younger in terms of like 12 forwards that are going to be good every night and that, like if this continues with Spezza like you just can't justify having him in the lineup every night but maybe their 13th forward maybe he's basically he's basically a coach and then but he's like a healthy scratch I, I don't really know but we'll see I don't know I, I really have no idea what's going to happen with that um, but that's okay speaking of uh, the aging players on the Leafs quite the opposite actually um was injected into the lineup. Well, not the lineup, but the roster over the last few days. Nick Abruzzese, I believe that's Abruzzese. Abruzzese, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He got signed to a contract, and he looks like he probably not going to play this season at all, and I don't think he'll be even in consideration for the 13th, 14th forward. Abruzzese? I think he's going to play, dude. Really? He was, he's in Boston. He's in Boston right now. He's in Boston with the team. Oh, okay. Um, could be wrong then. He's scratched tonight. He was he was that morning skate this morning. Um, I was reading Sheldon Keefe's quotes. I think they're letting him get acclimated to the system and everything. And then I think the quote was he's going to be in shortly. 
So okay. um, I think he, there's a probably chance he plays on at the very least by the weekend. I'm not sure when the next time they play is, but there's, I think there's also a good chance to see him in the lineup next um, whenever they play next after Boston. I, okay. I was, I think I was talking more so about like the playoffs. When those lineups are solidified, I don't think Abrusese will be in there. Would you? I do. Really? Still? I do. If he if he plays well, I think so. Like man, like we 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 just talked about how inconsistent and bad the fourth line has looked. And if you can inject someone like a Nick Abruzzese, or depending on when he finishes, Matthew Nyes into the lineup and slide someone like an Alex Kerfoot to the third line, or like an Engvall to the fourth line, like. I think that's an absolute no-brainer, in my opinion. Um, and mm-hmm. again, maybe I'm wrong, but um, I think, especially this year, I think this, I think Sheldon keeps committed to putting whatever the best team is on the ice, regardless if that's Abruzzese, if it's Matthew Nyes, if it's Wayne Simmons, if it's Kyle Clifford, whatever he thinks the best combination is. But um, I have a feeling that when playoffs come, again, assuming Matthew Nyes finishes, I think that I think he's going to be finished before the end of the NHL playoffs. But yep. um, Sorry, before the beginning of the NHL playoffs, but I think there's a good chance we're going to see both Abruzzese and Matthew Nyes in the um in the lineup because this has been rumored for like a month now, like since like since around the trade deadline. Yep, you're right. You're right. Um, and I'm reading now that he's taking line rushes with Colin Blackwell and Jason Spezza. So on the Leafs prospect depth chart, which it's, I'm mm. curious now what you think the rankings are, and I'm still going to consider Nick Robertson as a prospect because. Mm-hmm. He has not had a consistent cup of coffee in the NHL yet. Yeah. <clears throat> like, just like just off the top of my head, there's, like, four guys who I'm, like, really high on. So, you have Ebruzzese, who, like, I can – sorry, like, my, my the big three, I, like, I've been following for a while is Matthew Nyes, um, Toppy Niemela, the right-handed shooting Finnish defenseman and who's playing with Finland right now, uh, Nick Robertson with a little asterisks because, again, um, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, Ronnie Hervinen, who's also a Finnish forward, and then like Nick Abruzzese. In my opinion, those are like their top, top, top prospects. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I know I listed like six, but like the two that really get me excited are Herv or um, Niemela and uh, Matthew Nyes. Matthew Nyes looks unbelievable. I don't know if you've seen any of his uh, I have a university like uh, playoff uh, highlights. Guy 6'3, throwing his body around. And his shot's absolutely ridiculous. Like, he's going to be quite good, I think, especially, again, depending. I know they are looking. They were looking for a winger for Tavares and Willie, and I think that'd be a dang near perfect guy to throw there. But, um, like, in my opinion, the top two are Hervin, or not Hervin, I keep saying Hervin, or Niemela and Nyes. I don't even think it's close. I think Edward is a very good player, but I just don't think he's going to be quite as good as someone like a Matthew Nyes. And I think it's just strictly because of his size. I think Matthew uh, Nyes like 6'3", and Abruzzese is like 5'8", 5'9". So he's a very small, small man. Yep. Yeah. I'm excited to see the future of this club. Um, and especially considering where the Leafs have drafted over the last four or five seasons, Yeah. which is not yeah. in the top 10. It's like middle of the pack or higher considering their uh regular season finishes this is really good drafting for the leafs like well they also is- haven't had a this haven't had a first round pick in like three years four yeah. years yep like this is gonna be the first time in a while that like 
And that's kind of what's that was so nice about the trade deadline this year. They basically didn't give up any futures outside of like two second round picks and a third or whatever to Seattle, which I'll again I'll I'll bite the bullet for that. I'll bite I'll bite that. I'll eat that just to take uh to get Mark Giordano Mark Giordano for half a season. Like mm-hmm. and with this scouting and development team, like I feel confident that they're going to be able to uh, draft and develop someone who's pretty solid in the first round because that's been their history. Like it's hard to think of really any kind of forwards that have, or any draft picks they've made that have actually kind of not worked out, if that makes sense. So this offseason, the Leafs have six unrestricted free agents. Ilya McKayev, yeah. Jason Spezza, Colin Blackwell, Mark Giordano, Ilya Labushkin, and Jack Campbell. <clears throat> um, we're mm. going to talk about this in just a little bit, but the NHL general managers, they met over the last day or so and it was determined that the salary cap would actually increase by one million dollars into next season so that will be added in plus phil kessel's 1.2 million dollars per season will be finally gone meaning the lease will have eight million dollars in cap space for the next season uh they have to sign some of these unrestricted free agents they may sign more of their unsigned prospects to deals um Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting. Out of the six that I just mentioned, wouldn't be surprised if Spezza retires officially. Um, yeah. And I, I would doubt McKay would want to come back. Like, I think this guy has played spectacularly as of late, and it looks like his hands may be finally catching up to, like, his stupid fast speed on the ice. Because this guy yeah. has no finish. No finish over yeah. the last two, three seasons. But it looks like he's doing well now. I just don't yeah. know if he if uh, his intentions with the club are reciprocated because in the documentary, you remember, I don't know if you watched that yeah, one. I did. He explicitly stated to um, Dubas that he wanted to be traded or he wanted an increased or more important, significant role within the lineup. So I don't think that's going to come for you, yeah. Mickey, maybe somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I've actually been really happy with Mickey as a late. But again, this is something I've thought for a while. Um, he's just not someone who I think can he like he's been someone who's wanted a, like a very prominent role in the offense. Um, but I just don't think he's that good. He doesn't really have as much I think he doesn't really have a lot of finish, as you mentioned. Um and I think he's making one point five or something of like that right now. But like um yeah. the Leafs can't the Leafs can't afford to give him anything over two, in my opinion, just given the uh the current state of the roster. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting, and maybe we can get this in a bit, um, but apparently Chris Johnson yesterday on Overdrive saying, I think there's he thought there was a good chance that one of the big four actually gets traded this uh, that gets traded this summer. Again, he's not reporting or anything like that, but I think just given the state of the uh, salary cap and just the fact that like it's only going up one one million this year, it's going to be flat until until I think they said 2025, 2026. So. They have decisions they have to make, and to be honest, I could I, I could see it. I could I could really really see it, just given the kind of narrative that's surrounding the team and kind of the overall cap gymnastics that the Leafs have had to do the last like season, season and a half. But I don't know. We'll, we'll, like, yeah, I uh, I saw that. Go ahead. I saw that report come out, and I was reading about it, and I was. By the way, uh, before I say that, Mikhail is making 1.645 on the cap. Okay, uh, cool. He's 27 years old. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, so I saw the report come out and I was, I was curious because I was like, okay, what, what goes into this? Because last offseason, 
I was a big fan of training one of the big four. Even the season mm-hmm. before that, I was like, based off of what the fuck happened against Montreal, based on what happened against Columbus during that shortened season, I wanted them, one of the big four to be moved as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dubas kept rolling the dice. Like we talked about this before. And now we're about a dozen and a half games before the playoffs. And I'm like, it's looking good. I have faith in this roster. They could make some damage. But let's say the Leafs lose in the first round again. There's no question one of those four is going to be gone. There's no question. If they go to the second round or the third round, that buys them some more promise. But Mm. you also have to remember, Austin Matthews is on contract for just one more year after this one. Yeah. Yeah. You need space for him. Yes. Yeah. Like, here's the thing, right? Like, I think it depends because, like, the Leafs are going to be playing one of, like, Boston, Tampa, Florida, Carolina in the first round. And on paper, like outside of maybe Boston, like the Leafs, I think are the are the inferior team. Um, so that's why, like, if they lose in the first round, again, this is just hypothetically speaking. I could see, like, it'll be frustrating. Don't get me wrong, but like, all four of the teams I just listed are fucking unbelievable. Like, and again, this is more this is more of a problem I have with the playoff uh, the playoff format than anything else. But like. Again, I, I don't want to. I don't. I don't. I don't really want to harp on that too much because, again, it's not something that really matters. Like it's just the way that it is. But like, um, like I think the like I was on the I was on that train as well. Like in terms of keeping everyone together. But like that, I think that was before we saw, um, Jack Campbell come a little bit more inconsistent. That's before we saw, kind of the defense kind of regressed to earth a little bit like Jake Muzz and Justin Hall have not been the same guys that were last year so like if you again I'm not saying I'm not gonna say like trade one of them right now but like I'm saying if you were to trade someone like William Nylander you would get so much back for that player and then like you open up seven million dollars in cap space you have a bunch of assets you can use to move like to get a goalie or to get another defenseman but like again I'm not saying trade William Nylander. I'm not because I think he's. People were once complaining about his contract, but I think he's that contract one of the biggest values in the league right now. He's only making six point nine or seven million dollars, something like that. Six point. And he's um, yeah, and I like, and the reason that I think we, people are also really down on Nylander right now, which is fine. I also think kind of the body language that Sheldon Keefe is kind of showing towards William Nylander and kind of just seeing the things that he's doing, like in terms of like moving him to the third line, the second line. I don't think that's a good look for Nylander. And again, like if this continues, because the biggest thing is he's so freaking inconsistent, but like if he keeps it up, like I think this could be a problem for Nylander to the point where he's probably not in Toronto anymore. If I, if I'm, if, if I'm being honest. Uh, I don't know. It's so tough. Right now, William Nylander has 59 points to 65 games. He's on roughly a 70-point pace for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season. Dude, that's really that's good. So nice. That's oh, so good. That's so good. For oh. under $7 million? Holy shit. And imagine and imagine if he just wasn't as cold as he's been lately. Like, oh my god. He scored like two nights ago in like Montreal, but yeah. I think, I think, I think the problem is... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I think there's only so much that we can talk about right now. This team's yeah. fate in the offseason is 
purely going to be decided by what happens in the in this playoffs. Yeah. Like, and I think the biggest thing I get, because William Nylander was like probably the most impressive forward in the playoffs last year. And I don't think it's really close. Five goals in seven games. Yeah. I think the thing is though, like, especially this year, like he's been the least consistent out of the four outside of maybe John Tavares, but like, I'm willing to like John Tavares has also been way better in my opinion this year than William. I don't know. Like, Problem with the problem with Nylander is when you like when he's on like like he is on like he like he's very very noticeable, and then when he's off and like he's doesn't he's not feeling it, it's also just as noticeable in a very negative way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're Sheldon Keith and Kyle Dubis, are you okay with that? And because I think the problem is when is he going to be on? Is it going to be in a game seven? Is it going to be in a game one? Is it going to be in a game four? You never really know. But I will say he's also been one of the better playoff performers. Like, anyways, this isn't me trying to trade William Nylander. I know it may sound like it is, but like I'm more so trying to just evaluate kind of what might be going on in the heads of the front office. Because again, I don't, whatever you're trading for Nylander, you're not getting, you're not making your team better right now, but maybe you flip those assets whenever you get back to get. So anyways, I don't know. But. I just think it's a lot more likely than people are letting or thinking right now. That's kind of, even though everyone's saying to trade them, but um, yeah. Anyways, I want to make one clarification. I said Austin Matthews is on a contract for just one more year after that one, two more years, actually he's under contract until the end of the 2023, 24 season, which is coming up. So yeah. uh, Arizona coyotes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not no yeah. yeah um question of the day which happens first hmm. uh austin matthews is re-signed to a new contract or the arizona coyotes fold <laughs> <laughs> uh what happens first i'd imagine it's going to be austin matthews contract but i don't think the coyotes are far behind them yeah um, one more thing I want to say, John Tavares, I think if I was Kyle Dubas, if anyone's going to listen to me say this right now, they might, they might want to do what Will Smith did to Chris Rock to my face. If you're but saying, look, if you're saying you, tra- if you're saying you trade John Tavares, you're crazy. Look, 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 look. If you had to trade away one of the big four, right? John Tavares is 31, I believe turning 32 years old this season. Let me double check that John Tavares. He is 31. He's turning 32 this year. Yeah. Okay. He's only going to get worse if you take a look at what typically happens to players in their early to mid 30s. I could okay. be extremely wrong, right? But he's under contract until end of 2024, 25. I'd say he has two more good seasons. And then maybe he starts to fall off a little bit. Again, I could be horribly wrong because look at Sidney Crosby, look at Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, but he also makes eleven million dollars. Okay, can I can I rebuttal that? Can I give you my response? Am I allowed? Is can that, I that can allowed? I preface this first before you give your rebuttal? Yeah, I am also not saying trade John Tavares, just as you said you're not saying trade William Nylander. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah, it could be a possibility. Anyway, you can go with your rebuttal. I think I think. Tavares is much less likely for, for, well, for a couple of reasons. Number one, 
when you pitched uh, John Tavares coming home, he basically had to uproot his whole family from New York to come to Toronto. And like, I know it's a business and everything, but like, he's the captain of the team. Like, I think he's probably one of the more, probably one of the most well-liked guys on the team. And again, let's just say hypothetically speaking, he does have two more good seasons. He only has one, two, three more years on his contract. So again, you take two good years of John Tavares, $11 million, hypothetically speaking again. If he falls off a little bit, you have him at one year at 11, at $11 million. The free agent probably resigns at a bit. I can't, I can't, I cannot see him signing at a at a bigger number than eleven dollars, eleven million dollars per season. I just cannot, considering he's going to be, be like thirty five. Uh, he's going to be like thirty, yeah, thirty five. So like, I think he, I think he takes a significant pay cut there. Not significant, but like I'd say like more that he's not making eleven. He's not making eleven. I don't think he makes more than eight. But like, and it'll, it'll be a short term deal, like two. Yeah, and like so like. My my mindset is like if you're John Tavares, like sorry, if you're Carl Dubas, I just I think it I think it would also just look really, really bad. I think it would look really bad um yeah. if you were to trade John Tavares. Um whereas I think and not that fan perception should really play into whether or not you make a move for a hockey team, but I think a lot more fans would be a lot more okay trading someone like Nylander for to keep John Tavares, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Again, this and and this is if and if they want to move salary. I don't know what they want to do or what they're going to do. I think before they even explore doing that, I think they probably explore moving someone like a Jake Muzzin or someone like Justin Hall. But like again, they 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 just have a lot of players making more money than they can afford to pay them, and I think those guys probably go first before they try to trade someone. I mean, I, I have no idea. Like it's just. I think the I think I think the main thing we need, we need to emphasize here is the Leafs had planned the Leafs way the way they made their roster was based off of the idea that the cap was going to go up each year once they signed players like Matthews and Marner, but the pandemic kind of just really messed up that plan. Given that like the cap's been flat for like five years now or four years now, whenever the pen like it's been flat, so like it's just it's hasn't allowed them to be as flexible with signing players or trading players as they, I'm sure they would have liked to because they need to ice a hockey team that's going to compete. <laughs> this season, John Tavares is also top 10 in the league in face-off win percentage. He's currently yep. at 61.2% on the face-off dot. Very good. Uh, he is also, hold on. He has 61 points Plus, in 64 games as well. Almost point per game. Mm-hmm. I like. I take that. I take that every time. Like he's a very good player, um, which is his like, career average. Like he's always been a point per game around that for his entire career. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and he's like how like outside of like the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like I can't. I'm having trouble thinking of like another like a second line center who's that good. It's disgusting. <laughs> like now his defensive numbers are a bit concerning. Um, they're not great. But again, for a second line center, I take that considering the Leafs were basically, they were icing Tyler Bozak as a second line center for a while. So I take Tavares over that. So anyways, yeah. Yeah. As of right now, I don't think they have many promising centers coming up. Uh, Nick Abruzzi is mm-hmm. the winger, I believe. Matthew Nyes. Yeah. I don't actually. Winger. 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 Well. winger. Yeah, so I don't know. 
again, these are just Ronnie, hypotheticals. Ronnie Hervin. Ronnie Hervin is a center, and he is very good, I think. But like, he's not but, replacing John Tavares. Yeah, he yeah. could be like five years out as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so which is another reason why I don't see them. Oh. Yeah, this this is all speculation based off of what Chris Johnson said. I don't know. Uh, do you have any? Do you have any fancy charts to pull up? Because <laughs> I kind of want to. I don't right you. now. Hold on. So Simon, over the last few days, he. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll I'll pull it up. He bought a subscription to Evolving Hockey. We are in no way sponsored by them, but we felt that it would be a nice little spice up to our everyday, not everyday, twice a week episodes. Um, Because usually what we talk about is just like our opinions and we share about what we've heard from around the league and we give our thoughts on how we feel. Sometimes we talk about Spider-Man. Sometimes we talk about Will Smith, but it could be cool to throw in some spicy analytics too. Do you have anything up? I'm pulling it up. Hold on. Um, And for anyone unfamiliar with this, I believe um, the graphs that are available with the subscription are um, if anyone has gone on Twitter and they've seen like the blue graphs, like the charts with the blue bars or sometimes with the red bars going down um, to show you how effective a player is on the ice in terms of preventing a goal or scoring a goal, et cetera, et cetera. This is what that subscription gives you. And again, we are in no way sponsored by Evolving Hockey. But we should be at Evolving yes. Hockey. Um, this is the chart that we're talking about. So as you can nice. see at the bottom, goals four per 60, expected goals four per 60, Corsi four per 60, um, goals against per 60, and then sorry, expected goals per 60. And can I full screen it? Yes, I can. Oh, anyways, you can see that well enough. Whatever. Yeah, good um, so yeah, even strength, power play. It's really not that it's complicated. Um, and basically, as you can see here, John Tavares is an extremely productive power player, but he's also a pretty he's a pretty solid five on five player on offense, but on defense, he's a little bad. But that's okay. So, like, anyways, it's a cool little tool we thought I thought would be helpful. And then if we, and for example, let's just say we want to pick heart winners or something like that. I should go to Austin Matthews. And then you can, like, this one is absolutely disgusting. Like, this one, like, that is absolutely gross. Like, holy shit. Like, that is gross. So, so like, for context he's... here. Can you mm. can you go through what each of the bars mean? So goals for per 60 yes. minutes. Okay. So goals for 60 is basically the amount of goals that are scored when Austin Matthews is on the ice, like per 60 minutes. So it's basically it's an average of like that's very good. Like like most players, like, yeah. So expected goals for 60. So it's like how many goals you expect to score when Austin Matthews is on the ice. Again, like his, three his bar reaches the top. It could be even higher than that. I don't really know. Um, actually, hold on. Let's take a look. We can expand it so you can access. You can actually expand the y-axis. So yeah, you can see. So it's like that is so gross. Oh my god. Yes, yeah, like and Austin Matthews defensive. People like to say Austin Matthews is a great two-way player. Mm-mm. No, Corsi against per sixty. So it's basically, uh, it basically it's. I'm pretty sure it's the percentile where he ranks in the NHL. So like he's in like very good company in terms of 
like the possess like team possessing the puck when he's on the ice. Like they don't possess it very often. Yeah. Goals against per 60, basically like, the amount of goals that the opposition expected to score when he's on the ice. Again, blue, like everything's blue. Everything. Hmm. Like, anyway, so yeah. This is very pleasant to look at. Now, let's just say, for example, um, I'm having a debate with Craig Button, and then I'm, someone asks me how talks about Leon Dreisaitl and how Leon Dreisaitl is a way better uh, two-way player than Austin Matthews. I can just pull up this chart and be like, you're wrong. Like, <laughs> it's not Whoa. even close. It's not even close. Goals, goals for? Uh, expect goals for? Eh. And then it just goes... So, so a lot for, of goals again. For context for auditory uh, consumers of this podcast, Austin Matthews expected goals for were like almost four per 60 minutes. And Leon Dry's titles look like 1.5. Just over two. I'm oh, sorry, goals expected goals for 60 is like, yeah, it's like one point. It's like just short of one and a half, like 1.3, whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. yeah, like again, very effective power player on the power play. Like his power play stats are better than Austin Matthews in terms of expected goals four per sixteen, Corsi four per sixty, but like he also plays his even strength numbers. Conor he also plays a Connor McDavid. He also the Edmonton Oilers I think draw a lot more power plays than Austin Matthews. Yep. And like, um, like the, the defensive numbers aren't even close. But anyways, this is not this is not intended to be a um. Let's dump on Leon Dreisaitl because he's not pronounced to Matthews. It was more so just a little um, walkthrough of. So, anyways, um, again, we are no by no means sponsored by Evolving Hockey. It was very, but it's a very cool tool to have and a very help, helpful tool to have. Again, if you're trying to evaluate players, because that's kind of where my idea came from. Because like I was like, wow, it'd be really nice to see how uh, like Colin Blackwell is doing tonight. But all you all you really have available as a non-subscriber is nhl.com which is bad because there's no advanced stats on that but like anyways yeah so i'm curious if you could also pull up while i talk about this how much better Mm -hmm. mark giordano is at uh preventing goals as compared to our current sixth defenseman who i guess would be justin hall assuming the lineup yeah i'll pull it up hold on assuming the the lineup the deep hearings go like riley labushkin brody giordano and then muzzin Sandine or Hall or uh, Lilligren. Yep, you see me a second. I'll pull it up. Awesome. Yeah, I think this would be a really, really good addition to our podcast. I'm trying. To it would. Install. So this is it. Um, so this is Mark Giordano. So as you can see, when he's on the ice. Not a whole lot of possession or goal scoring for, which is fine because his core expected goals against per 60 is very nice. He's uh, good. He's pretty good. <laughs> um, and if you, if you go to compare skaters. Yeah. yeah. Right. I didn't see that. So what if give you, me a second. I'm going to. Jonas Siegenthaler is the. Yeah, it's the, it's the default <laughs> because I think they're on the same team. And then and we'll we'll do Justin Hall for now. Yeah. Uh, Justin Hall. And keeping in mind, this was also because uh, Mark Giordano played for the Seattle Kraken for the majority of the season. Yep. Oh. So this is actually kind of surprising. I haven't, I hadn't looked at Justin Hall's even strength stats, but yeah. So like, 
we're going to focus on even strength because that's really all that matters because Justin Hall is not going to get power by the time this year. So, wow, that's really impressive. Holy cow. Yeah. Anyways, so, as like, Justin Hall is just more spread out in terms of his ability on both offense and defense, which is obviously, it's great. That's great. I didn't know that, but that's, that's actually really cool. Whereas Mark Giordano is also kind of at a deficit in terms of offensive production. Now, the other one I want to take a look at is, so basically what we conclude here is Justin Hall's better than Mark Giordano, which is no, kind of surprising, well, at least in terms of terms. What, what I'm taking out of this is offensively, Justin Hall is better than Mark Giordano, but for yes, okay, yes, 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 yes. But, but for preventing, yes. I agree with that. I I was more talking about well-rounded. I wasn't really talking about. I was talking about more offensively and defensively, not just one. Because if, if we are talking about prevention, then yes, I hundred percent agree. Now, here's the one I want to see: Giordano versus Muzzin. Because I've seen Muzzin's charts, and I want to see what the, what they're like side by side. Okay. Oh, oh my god. My god. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So this is Jake Muzzin. Um, his Corsi four against per sixty is pretty solid. It's the only one that's above full zero, <laughs> which is kind of concerning. So, yeah, he's getting outscored when he's on the ice. He is getting uh, outpossessed on the ice. And, like, the expected goals against is not pretty either. Now, granted, I will say this is for this year. Um, so let's just, again, just, and just, into, just to put into perspective what Jake Muzzin was like last year, I'm going to put this back one year just so we can see, just to get a comparison. Like... Holy shit. Like, it's not even close. Like, his, like, he has had, like, a monumental drop-off this year in terms of, like, just possession numbers. And again, so keep this in mind. Keep an eye on the right column. So that's 2020. This is the last season, and this is this season. So, yeah. For our auditory consumers as well, uh, every single metric. It's not good. For uh, yeah. Jake Muzzin, goals for expected goals for Corsi for expected goals against and Corsi against all of them took a significant fall this season as compared to last season. They're all negative, they're all negative, and and like last year, they were all positive, like very positive, like yeah. two go like two goals for 60. Like it's uh, now. I'm convinced Jake Muzzin's been playing a hurt all year. So that's what I'm gonna that's what that's that's what I'm gonna choose to tell myself right now in terms of what's happening with Jake Muzzin. Um but wow, like and this kind of supports the idea of maybe Jake Muzzin was the reason that Justin Hall was playing kind of mediocre. Now, granted, I will say Justin Hall decision making is 